So this paints me in a bad light, but I'm going to tell it anyways. Thesis of the podcast, painting ourselves in a bad light. <laughs> Self-incrimination. Which was the second working title of the podcast we almost went with. Instead of yeah. DJ and Cinema, painting a bad light. Yeah. Painting a bad light. Actually, that will be the memoir of when we release the podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one chapter you, one chapter DJ me, like Cinema. Gone Girl. Yeah. Let me try it. DJ and Cinema, painting a bad light. Um, <laughs> so this does paint me in a bad light, but that's fine. Uh I'm trying to think of where to start it exactly. I'll just jump right in. So today we're talking about, sorry to take your phraseology here, but for Big Lebowski, what's his favorite drink? The White Russian. The uh, Caucasians, as they call them. Yes. As he says, give me another Caucasian. Larry or the guy at the bowling alley. Mm -hmm. So I went on a weekend bender with some friends that I was... I had to go back. So they live like two hours away. And I, so I'm not home, what I'm trying to say. We went, we, we, and we overshot the mark. We got really drunk. This is a while ago. Way overdid it. Definitely overdid it. But it, mm. it, it was fine. The one friend, me and the one friend, we had to share a couch. It was a, it was a big couch, like an L shaped couch. Mm-hmm. And we had to share it. And, and to pass out at the end of the night, go, okay, so this is like three in the morning. Okay, I'm going to pass out. And I sit down and it's soaked because he pissed himself. Oh, I was going to say you rock, paper, scissors for Big Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, again, we're not touching. We're like, on yeah, a, yeah. he had yeah. sat there where he pissed himself. But I sat right where he pissed himself and it instantly soaked through my jeans and soaked through my underwear. And I'm like, Fuck. Yeah. And this I was a house. tied the room together. This was a house. <laughs> he wasn't housebroken. Yeah. At least I'm housebroken. Yeah. At least I'm a housebroken mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. It, my friend's name was Wu. So this was a house, not an apartment, and they had laundry in the basement. I went into the basement, took my pants and underwear off, threw them in the wash, and there was a pair of sweatpants hanging up. I go, okay, I'm going to put the sweatpants on, whoever mm-hmm. they are whoever covered my junk for the time being. And little did I know it was a roommate's, a female roommate's Lululemons. Oh, so I had a, a pair comfy, of Lululemon. They're comfy though. They're comfy. Right. Yeah. My ass looked great. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, okay, me and my buddy who I had sat in his piss, I got pissed off. I got pissed yep. off about it. Mm-hmm. And we exchanged a few words, nothing horrible, but I was like, we're arguing because mm-hmm. he was being defensive. Over the piss? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he should have just owned it and said, hey, man, I'm sorry, I pissed myself. But he was like, kind of fuck you-ish. And I was like, what the fuck? But he also didn't mean to do it. So you can't be too mad at someone. Yeah, like, involuntary urinating is... Yeah, he didn't like know. piss on my face while I'm sleeping, you know, like trying yeah, to be yeah, an yeah. asshole or anything. And so... I left there and I went to another friend's place and I stayed up all night drinking booze, drinking beers and smoking weed. And I passed out on his couch in the Lululemons. But it's funny if you should see me. This was in the early, no, sorry, misspoke. This was in the late 2000s and I was wearing a button down shirt because you used to have to wear that to go to bars. Do you remember that period? Of course. Did you guys have that period? We still have, have the- places where like you're not allowed in without uh, button down like in New York. Yeah, it's, yeah, they, yeah. it's a dress code. It's code for like we don't want X ethnicity in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Kind of racist. Um, yeah, yeah. So I had Lululemons on <laughs> and a button down shirt. 
and I leave my friend's place in the morning because I had to go back to where I was originally supposed to stay because we're supposed to leave because the town we were staying at was like 30 minutes away. And on the cab over, I'm just being out in the sun and everything is making me sick. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be sick. So I just tell the cab, hey, pull over. And I get out of the cab and I'm in front of a pharmacy and there's five, six guys waiting outside the pharmacy for it to open. Mm. Andy, you would know. Why are they standing outside yeah, the pharmacy of course, waiting yeah. for it to open? Of course, yeah. They're either picking up a script or methadone. buying needles. Yeah, or methadone. Yeah, methadone. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're they're methadone guys, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I get out the cab and I start puking. And one of the guys goes, "I gotta get." They nailed me good. They got like I'll give it to them. The guy says, "Whoa, he's blowing chunks," which I haven't heard anybody say this since 1992. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blowing chunks and spew like yeah, spew. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a Wayne's World shit. Yeah, yeah. And spew so he's like, "Whoa, he's blowing chunks." And I'm like, ah, and I and I puke a bit, and I don't puke anymore, not because I'm such a seasoned drinker, but because I've destroyed my body. Like I literally cannot mm-hmm. physically vomit anymore. Mm-hmm. And but back then I used to be able to. And as I'm walking away, I just put up my hand, like, yeah, yeah, like show's over, or like thank you for the applause, guys. Like, what am I gonna do? You can't. Like I'm the idiot here. I look like an idiot. What yeah, am I you're do? I'm puking in public shit. at this point. That's yeah, you. I'm yeah, puking, it's on dude. You. It's 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know. At least you wound up to puking as opposed to your buddy well as i walked away this guy goes because i remember i got a dress shirt on and blue lemons lemons. yeah and this guy says keep walking sparkles (laughs) 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 yeah he got me right so then i get to the house change out of the lululemons because i had washed my clothes and put them in the dryer and i I changed into my thing that much time and then we we go and then we go back to the town we're staying at and now it's Sunday and my friends want to do a Sunday fun day, but I'm like, I got nothing in the tank. So mm-hmm. I go upstairs and I go to my, uh, we're staying at the friends who's who the friend who had laid the pile of piss. We're staying at his house actually. And they had a full, nice big house. And I go to the guest room and I lay down and I'm like, I just need to sleep for a few hours. Then I'll, then I'll be good to drink with you guys, but I need a few hours sleep here. I need to recover. And another dude comes in. He's like, hey, get out. You need to be drinking with us. Now it's noon on a Sunday. I'm like, yeah, with no I haven't sleep. slept at all. Yeah. I've got I've got like two hours, 90 minutes of sleep. I just puked. I'm just like, I don't know. Because come on, come on. We're making white Russians. Yeah. It's so a breakfast go, cocktail. Ooh. I come, I go downstairs. He they have a giant, not even a gallon, like almost like a gallon and a half, two gallon size like jug. And they just grab a bottle of maybe not even maybe even a liter maybe not even a fifth of vodka and they just pour it in and then they grab a uh why i want to say a zambuca not zambuca no it's kalua and half and half thank you yeah Yeah. so they grab a the bottle of kalua and they pour it in and they grab a fucking carton of milk and they put it in and they just make the no measuring just make it like that right and we taste it and it's actually pretty fucking good so i have one and I would go, okay, this is tasty. Like, okay, mm-hmm. now, now I'm feeling a bit better. It's a hair of the dog type thing. Yep. Then I have another. And then now we're really having a good time. And then we let the day continue. So that was, like I said, like noonish one. And then I don't remember anything after 4 p.m. <laughs> yeah, no shit. And I wake up and I'm back in the guest bedroom. 
And I'm like, oh, oh man, somebody poured water all over me. Oh no. <laughs> Which they obviously didn't. Yes. This was I uh... got so fucked up off the white Russians on this bender that mm. I, after sitting in my friend's piss and yelling at my friend for pissing himself, I pissed myself. <sighs> the only time ever in my career of drinking. Really? You've never peed your pants from drinking too much? It's the only time I pissed myself with drinking. Yeah, yeah. It's a gnarly thing to do where you get to the point where you're just involuntarily letting fluid out of your dick like that. Like, it is definitely a gnarly thing to do. Dude, I, like, I've had a lot of crazy fucking shit that I can recap. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to do my um, brand, you know, Bombay's worst worst hits here yeah 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 drinking and i talk about shitting myself way too much on this yeah, and i don't want it to yeah. be like but yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe all those times no i never uh, and i and the last time i got sick while i was <laughs> like passed out and then got sick and next to me i was 21 wow you know so wow. like i i don't like i just it's and uh, this isn't saying extolling myself i am the greatest drinker i'm the greatest party it's not yeah, that yeah. it's just that my it's not body a humble brag yeah it's not even that. It's just like my body doesn't mm-hmm. do those things. But the one, so I, I got so bad that day and I said, oh, what happened? My friends, and I'm going to leave out, I'm, by the way, I'm leaving out a ton of the story. But yeah, my friend yeah. said, oh, you were so out of control. We had to put you to bed. They go, we've yeah. never seen you like that. We go, we put you to bed at 6 p.m. Yeah, we we crushed Benadryl and put it in your white Russian just to knock you out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Literally, like exactly. literally that. Literally Rufy that. Like Nyquil, Nyquil'd up my fucking next serving, and then mm-hmm. yeah, and put put me on Benadryl. By the way, Benadryl and booze will fuck you up. Oh, of and, course. Uh, and put me to bed, and I woke up, and I, I couldn't believe it. And everyone was telling me like, "Oh, that was the worst we ever seen you." And my friends said, "You're never allowed to drink white Russians ever again." They get you hyped, dude. They get you hyped <laughs> they, up. They, they, it's crazy because the dude, Jeff Bridges, the dude in the Big Lebowski is such a chill motherfucker. But mm. guys, if you want to get fucked up, have three white Russians. Yeah. Casually have great. some white Russians. Yes. One is great. Two is chill as shit. Three is when you start feeling it. And anything above three, good Lord, look out. <laughs> this week... We are talking the Coen Brothers 1998 comedic opus, question mark. The Big Lebowski here on DGen Cinema, a podcast for fucked up movie lovers where two degenerates analyze film through the lens of the vices, addictions, and flaws that we share with their dysfunctional characters. You want a podcast? I can get you a podcast. Believe me, there's a way, dude. You don't even want to know about it. But believe me, hell, I can have you a podcast by three o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. Um, this might be one of my I say this. I said it last week when we did Scarface or whenever we recorded the Scarface episode. That might be my most watched movie of all time. Uh, Big Lebowski was a movie that lived like perpetually on in every single apartment, bummy house that I shared with roommates from the ages of 18 to 24 really di- yeah this was like, the, like none of my uh this is the movie drug friends were big big lebowski guys they liked it but they didn't have it on repeat or anything like this, scarface for sure yeah this was like the movie particularly when i was like 
21 to 23, 24. That was just kind of always fucking on. And um, I too indulged in, in white Russians heavily. Um, they had a big comeback, I think with millennials. Well, let's who, be clear. We're not villainizing the drink. It is a wonderful drink. It is a tasty beverage. My friends, it is a, delicious yeah like you said it's a great breakfast like if you want to do the because i'm not a a tomato juice guy so i'm not a bloody mary guy yeah yeah no clamato for you (laughs) hate that shit i don't fuck with any of that yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, i don't fuck with any of that stuff Mm -hmm. too acidic but definitely if i have to a white russian uh some kalua and coffee maybe yeah yeah a white russian the milk i feel like it's like an old school thing to say but there's fucking sustenance in milk. Like you get fucking fat, you get fucking protein, you get some calcium mm-hmm. in you. It does a body good, as they used to say. Um, what at, at the house that I lived in from when I was like 21 to 24 before I moved out and like got a place with my girlfriend, I moved to this place because it was across the street from like an amazing brewery. So I intentionally got a house. <laughs> with um you know my my drinking alcoholic friends and my drug addict friends across the street from the place that gave out free alcohol between the hours of uh three o'clock and nine o'clock every thursday friday free alcohol yeah it was a brewery it was a tasting room so you just would no i've known a lot of breweries i never knew a brewery that just is throwing out bottles in your face uh it's not bottles they give out like six ounce samplers so basically yeah yeah, yeah. but Dude, if, if you go there all the time and you're buying so much of their product and you're bringing people in, if you are like the regular, you just get drunk at breweries for free. They're the best. And I was going to bars so much. Like I was such a heavy partier that people who were a so little bit. Shits and giggles. I was just always out, like always at bars. And I was a musician, so I was like Sorry, always was playing and shit. Yeah, in my defense, you know, I had something to do. But I was basically like professional, like bar fly. And people yeah. were like, dude, you're at bars all the time. And at one point, it like sunk in a little bit for me where on the other side of the brewery was a bowling alley. And then Especially main- when you're in your early 20s, someone say alcoholic, you're like, oh. <gasps> Yeah, no, yeah. I come from a family of alcoholics. Yeah, I'm like, like now it's like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I stand up in front of a room and say it out loud, like fucking three days a week. You know what I mean? I get it. <laughs> yeah. um, but admitting is the first step. The uh, idea of that scared me. So I knew they served alcohol at the bowling alley. So me and my roommates and my girlfriend and like we we basically started going to this bowling alley because we weren't out at the bar. We were bowling, even though we were just (laughs) getting hammered and bowling, but we accidentally started getting really good at bowling. And before you knew it, like I was in a bowling league and, you know, I had my own ball and I had my own shoes and we were, you're like Mark Wahlberg and the other guys. Wait, you got ironically good at dancing to make fun of the the guys, the queer guys on the streets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, and I got really, yeah, exactly. I got ironically good at, at bowling and had a couple nights where we brought it, you know, way too far. And, 
all of them involved either white Russians or something called a rusty nail, which is yeah, yeah I know rusty nail, of course. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like drambuie and scotch and and like a lemon wedge, but magically when you put them together, it like tastes delicious. But it's they're both eighty proof liquor. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So so somehow they're just like old man bowling drinks. Those are my two bowling drinks. And I remember one night, it wasn't a league night, but it was definitely a Thursday. And there were maybe like six or seven of us. And we used to do these things and we called them like, uh, like Molly Toff cocktails, where we would dump ecstasy into our white Russians and stir them up. You know, because we would just get this like powdered ecstasy. This just is like take the M separate. Yeah, I know, but it was more fun to call it a Molly Toff cocktail. Yeah. So or a Mall Dog or great whatever name. you wanted. Yeah, great, great name. name. Mall yeah. Dog. You know, you would mix it in with your your drink. You would put a bunch in your buddy's drink, and you would drug your buddies on a Thursday night. You know, you ask me, you're like, hey, Bombay, you want to have some Molly and uh, Rusty Nail? I'm like, no, oh, man, I'll have a Rusty Nail. I'm like, do you want to have a like, Molly Toff? I'm yeah. Like, yeah. You want to- yeah, exactly. Well, that is enticing. What is it? It's like half and half Kahlua, MDMA, and vodka. Um, it's wild how much a name matters for a drink. Oh, a thousand percent. A white Russian is a great name, too. It's great so name. fun. Yeah. yeah. There is a black Russian, right? And it's, it's, yeah, it's just no milk. It's, it's no, no milk. milk. Is that what it is? I mm-hmm. thought there was a third ingredient because there's that old no, man. Just no milk. Was it Mad Men who said, like, you need at least three ingredients to have a cocktail or something you like do. that? No, that's yeah. a fact. You need, you need yeah. three ingredients. You could call it a cocktail. You need mm-hmm. three ingredients. So if you have a, a vodka soda, that's not a cocktail, it's a mixed drink or highball or whatever you want to, whatever depends. Uh, it's a regional uh, term, but it's not yeah. a cocktail. It's not a cocktail. But you can say as a catch-all, I'm going to have some cocktails. You can say I'm going to have some cocktails and crushing beers. Yeah, I love saying, oh, you're having a couple cocktails? Like, it's a fun thing yeah. to say. Yeah, it's a fun thing to say. But we were housing the the Molly Toff cocktails, which were basically MDMA <laughs> and, and white Russians, and got kicked out of the bowling alley, like, pretty hardcore. Like, they knew us. Get the fuck out of here, please. We know your names just tonight's not the night it's it's yeah. a thursday not even your band just yeah. tonight there please. are children here please don't yeah. do this you fucking hippies get the fuck out um so we walked my aunt is having her 60th birthday here in fucking five yeah, hours get yeah, the fuck exactly out of here. exactly you know we or we want to go home whatever the fuck it was and my roommate did have his car there but we all walked back to the house how far and i remember what's that the distance oh like four minutes not even like oh walk. that close yeah it's okay. very like, close really like, close. like okay. walk down yeah. the block cross the train track i'm fucking at the house you know gotcha and i was upstairs with my girlfriend at this point like trying to get some sleep like super Is drunk she a partier yeah, she yeah. We were all okay. partiers. Yeah, it was like early 20s. Oh, yeah, no, fucking... she's not like, oh my God, Andy, get it together. Like, no, she was Molly on a Thursday. When you showed up. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> no, no. And um, <laughs> we heard commotion downstairs. It's way funny. It is way funnier, though, when you are the asshole showing up and they're like, I'm going to sound yeah. sleeping. Hey, babe, 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 yeah. babe. I pulled a, two, a 260. Babe, babe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. There were points where, like, I 
would you know i i obviously overdid it and she would like you know kiss me and be like you taste like chemicals you know because i yeah. was just taking like it's like oh that's uh, crystal meth you know yeah. or i smoke no, dude today. you're you're the motherfucker you're taking what they spray the shoes at with the bowling alley and you're oh, yeah, I'm huffing that, like, that. up your nose oh yeah i have huffed that like as a joke like i was just curious um just stuck it in the shoe and just got my rocks off but <laughs> All of a sudden, my roommate like barges in on us, like sleeping, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And he's like, "If the cops come, I'm not here." And we're like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Just tell them I'm not home." And I'm like, "Okay." Turns out, my roommate, who shall not be named, went back to get his car, put it in drive instead of reverse rammed into a telephone pole which then fell onto our bowling alley like he destroyed not the car on the bowling alley. onto the bowling alley he hit it forward <laughs> it knocked the telephone pole over and it like cut the bowling alley like in half like it blew a hole through the fucking side of the bowling alley and um our old like if no one's around and you get into an accident when you're drunk driving thing good advice for any young alcoholics listening leave the car and find a way home and then when the police show up the next day just be like oh my god did you find my car and just act very surprised like report your car Do stolen you really think you invented this technique it <laughs> has worked for a couple friends of mine no it's an advisable technique, but like, don't pretend like you were the first like genius no. to come up. With no, it's just good advice. It's just solid, solid advice. I'll tell my hey, kid. You can also someday. apply it to dead wives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, did you find my wife? Money at work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you find that? Did you find that account? The money I was missing from the Johnson account. Yeah. Congratulations, you're promoted. We can't find so and so. Oh, that's a shame. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we accidentally destroyed um, a bowling alley because of uh, overdoing it. And again, part of that is this movie, like the Big Lebowski. Before we get into it, the legacy of this film is kind of astounding because when this thing came out, it was not successful like critics apparently didn't even really dig it when it first came out uh, universally liked i think like not loved but like mm-hmm. universally people were just like oh this is likable yeah i feel like your parents would have you could sit down with your parents they'd go oh they're not dying of laughter they go, oh that was fine yeah i saw this did you see this in theaters no i didn't see i saw it in vhs I think I've told this on the show before, but my 10th birthday party was going to see Fargo for some reason. You did tell it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. That was for my 10th birthday party. And I was just so in because of raising Arizona on the fucking Coens that I dragged a bunch of people to go see Fargo with me and no one liked it except for me and, and my pops. And we were on vacation as a family in Puerto Rico when the big Lebowski came out and my dad and I like left and saw this movie by ourselves in Puerto Rico for some reason. And mm-hmm. I remember being kind of baffled by it because it wasn't, there's something about Mary, which was like the other, Holy shit. I'm pissing my pants kind of movie for a 12 year old. But I mean, this thing is okay. Easy, easy. That would almost sounded like something about Mary Slam. No, I, I'm not. Dis- not no, I'm not being Mary dismissive. Of, great. About, it's great. It's, it's great. It's but, still hold. It, 
I'm not going to say it's a better movie than Lebowski, but it is just as funny as Lebowski is still just as funny today. In a totally different kind of way, you know, in a totally wow, guys, different damn kind of Nepalese way. coins. Yeah, it is very funny. Poor Boogie. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, comparatively, as a teenager, you sit down, you're you're expecting something about Mary or whatever, and mm-hmm. you see this. It's a heady comedy, but it actually has enough that hits teenage sensibilities as well. Silly goofiness. You know what joke in this movie killed me in my first watch as a kid? Can you? Mm. Can, there's a a sight gag. Can you think what it was? Is it them waxing their balls? Uh, that's a good guess. No, it was the police sheriff throwing the coffee mug in Lebowski's head. Oh, yeah, that is a funny sight gag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and rewatching this thing today. I, mean, I had to re- I had to I had to rewind the movie. I was laughing so hard I had to like I missed a big chunk and I had to rewind it. That's how hard I was laughing. Rewatching this movie today, I was laughing pretty much the entire time if not out loud, chuckling to myself mm-hmm. or just texting you. Like we were just texting one-liners back and forth like <laughs> yeah, while yeah. watching this thing. And and at one point, I think one of us said, you, you're like, oh, that's my favorite line in the entire movie. And I said, every single line in this movie, someone could say is their favorite line and I wouldn't dismiss it. I'd be hopefully and my favorite line. We won't even go, or you might, I don't know, back and forth here, but what the line was, was <laughs> revolution is over. Condolences. Bombs lost. That's <laughs> <laughs> just every time. And he just says the word, that guy just says the word bomb all, all the time, which people forget. Bum used to be, you just threw it around mm-hmm. as, not now it just has connotation to literal street people like a homeless person oh, he's yes. a bum yes now, but it used to be like oh you're a fucking bum i mean you just don't have it together like get it together you bum do you know there's two people who delivered the word bum hilariously the guy who says condolences the bum lost and uh meredith burgess and rocky Oh yeah! In the first, you're rock, a bum you rock. A bum. You're, you're a bum rock. rock. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always think of that and uh, and the Big Lebowski in this thing where he says, yeah. like, "You're a bum, Lebowski. Get out of here, you bum." <laughs> Everything Walter says throughout this thing, you know, as Donnie's saying, "I am the walrus" when he's quoting Lenin, and he just turns around and he goes, no. "V.I. Lenin, Lenin, Vladimir Ilyinov, Ulyanov." <laughs> Holy shit, dude. It's fucking so well read. But he's such a clueless human. Yeah. He has no common sense whatsoever. Not, can barely not, hold a conversation without wrong? derailing. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> that's a, but like that's a, such, such a juvenile debate. Oh, am I wrong? Am I wrong? You just mm-hmm. you're not letting the other person speak. You're not letting, he's just speaking over them. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? <laughs> Smarter than you are. Smarter than you are. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Cooler than you are. Calmer than you are. Yeah, yeah all that are, shit. It's like the debating tactic. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. Every well, character. I, I find the funniest, the humor in this, a lot of it is drawn that everybody's disconnected. Meaning a lot of the humor, the, the, people will go on rants and then they'll just grab a little something from that rant and talk mm-hmm. about that's not the point they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. For instance, uh, the the really obvious one 
that's really comedic is when Lebowski is in the limo and the limo driver telling him a long uh, street joke. Mm-hmm. He says, and the guy says, oh, you know, I got a wife that cheats and I got this and I got a kid that's, you know, handicapped or whatever. He says, but you know me, I can't complain. And then Lebowski goes, fucking name, man. I got a rash, man. Because he, he mentioned a rash in the yeah. joke. That's it's one like, of my favorite lines not, in the movie. That's not the point of the joke. Like, he completely missed the joke. And he just goes, yeah, I hear you, man. I know, I know how it, how it rashes, man. <laughs> and then when he's with Julianne Moore's character, Maud, when he's with Maud and mm-hmm. Maud's uh, painting the picture how Bunny, Tara Reed mm-hmm. is a sex-obsessed person and she's a former porn star. And he says, yeah, well, I'm, I'm sorry your stepmother is a nympho. Yeah. <laughs> so I, live, I love how Lebowski... The point, of, I, but the point is about my father. <laughs> you just said, sorry your stepmother is a nympho. The dude holds on to little things. He's not paying attention to anyone, but he is no. listening. He's hearing what they're saying. Like, he is hearing yes. actual words. And then we'll later... Like reinstate he'll he'll use those words in the like, worst context imaginable. To the movie, it's so funny. It, it's so funny because he's <laughs> he's watching uh, George George Bush on the TV, and you know the big one is uh, this aggression will not stand. He just repeats George yeah. Bush, but then later on in the movie, Maud's like, "How do you feel about sex?" And he's like, "You mean coitus?" And he says coitus because she yeah. said it like ten. Because she said coitus, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, you mean vagina or whatever he yeah. says? Oh, and he says Johnson vaginas, too. Yeah. Johnson is funny. Yeah. yeah. He repeats the word Johnson. Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, Los Angeles too, being the backdrop is a very disconnected city. Whenever I go there, I don't understand. But it's disparate and sprawling mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not even just the, how it's laid out, but also just the mentality there. Yeah. And you and you talk about let's get enlightened, like because it is a lot of uh, it is true. Like on the West Coast, they do a lot more. Hip, people are uh, lean more hippie-ish and everything. Sure. And they it purports to be this is about like finding truth, being more connected, but it actually is more about being uh, more selfish. It's self-absorbed. Yeah, it's everyone self-absorbed. seems Thank very yeah, self-absorbed, self-absorbed. Yeah. and. All of the conversations in this film are essentially people spouting how they feel, not just about the situation that's going on, but almost their entire philosophy and and who they are as people. (laughs) And then the other person ignoring all of that and recontextualing it into who they are as a person. And then the dude in the middle of this thing, just basically telling everyone that's a bummer or that's cool. You know, the... Sometimes yeah. strong men cry. And he's like, you mind if I do a J? Like in the middle of the conversation. He do a J. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy's you know going Lebowski, on. This- so many times I go, you know, Lebowski, dude, dude, what? dude, what? Never mind. <laughs> yes. And in the middle of that, this, this guy's going on this big eloquent soliloquy and you hear the voiceover of Lebowski smoke while smoking the J like really slow, like bring the money, no funny stuff. And he's not listening at all. He's like, this is a bummer. Like, and hands it back to him. But the characters, his best, his best friend, uh, hmm. John Goodman's Walter, Walter doesn't listen to anything anybody says. 
and he loses his temper on Walter, and then Walter's like, "Oh my god!" And then they have these blowups, and Walter's is like, "Ah, you know, ah, <laughs> this is mm-hmm. uh, how it goes." Mm-hmm. And then Walter, whenever Buscemi's Donnie, who is their third wheel friend, mm-hmm. who is their uh, kind of uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like he's I like the say, fall guy, right? Who you looking, just kinda... yeah, like the guy who they, they just dump on, mm-hmm. and whenever he speaks, John Goodman's knee-jerk reaction shut the fuck up donnie even when he that sometimes he goes oh wait what'd you say because <laughs> he goes oh they just posted the schedule shut the fuck up donnie wait wait what what does the schedule say mm-hmm. yeah everyone is so broad in who they are and instantly identify themselves as who they are every single one of these people is a complete and utter fuck up and everybody's a fu- ev- literally everybody's a fuck up even the actual Lebowski, meaning the uh, uh, wheelchair bound, yeah, the big Lebowski, accomplished, accomplished Lebowski, is a fraud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. has his wife's, his ex-wife's money, or his deceased wife's, or, yeah, deceased. Yeah, wife's it's his money. deceased wife's money, and he's basically just flaunting his wealth. But it's really his daughter's wealth that she's yeah. allowing him. To, to use yeah, you know she puts I mean? him on an allowance she said mm-hmm. which is funny because he says speaking about tara reed who by the way had never been hot like she's so hot and we forget because tara reed ended up being ghoulish i apologize sweetheart if you ever hear this is she like i think i'd still fuck tara reed like right you know? of course yeah. of course that's what i mean but she got she became a running joke in yes. the uh, early mid two thousands because she got some bad surgery, done. some yes. bad surgery done. Yeah, she peaked. But people for very very bright. You know what I mean? Yeah, and she was from ninety eight from ninety eight to like two thousand two. She was one of the hottest people in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in this was at the early stages. I don't even have in front of me her age at the time. She it was pre American Pie. It was pre-American pre-American pie. pie. Yep. A year before American pie. Gotta be when they filmed this 19 at the most, dude. Yeah. She's not. She's not 24. No. No. She She was born in 75. So she's like 22. Yeah. She's like 22. 22. Shit. That's Mm -hmm. even older than I thought. So Mm -hmm. so she's 22. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, well, I guess, yeah. So she's 20. Her from 22 to 26 undeniable in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I forget because I had a little uh she was Van sorry. Wilder. I always forget about that. She was like the hot oh, yeah. babe and Van her Wilder. Piercing, yeah, her her piercing blue eyes and her full cup natural small D cup breasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the raspy voice always gets me. And the voice, the voice, yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 such a thing for that. I understand the appeal very much. So oh, that's why I also love uh, Joey Lauren Adams, who aged much better and was. Oh hell yeah! Well, what was the point I was going on about putting her, her and Lebowski? I forget. Oh yeah, uh, I, I don't know. The, the big Lebowski puts her on allowance. Maud Lebowski puts oh, the big right. Lebowski thank you, thank on you. the that's allowance. What it was. Is that because yeah. he says her allowance, which is ample, and then mm-hmm. it turns out that Maud Julianne Moore, who for some reason shows her ass and tits in this, which is Hell funny, yeah. she is random. She shows her. She might show herself nude more than any a-list actress i can think of 
this was the time where she really did it. This was the time of Boogie Nights and those. Um, See, Boogie oh my God. Nights, it makes sense, obviously, because you're yeah. playing a. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Um, absolutely for Boogie Nights. But I guess she was in like the Lost World at this time. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, so she she was doing like big movies, but she was doing all the Todd Haynes movies. She was like a mm-hmm. indie darling numero uno at this point in time. Constantly uh, showing her tits and showing her ass and, you know probably some full frontal in those Todd Haynes movies. I'm sure she definitely did full frontal. I can't even like off the top of my head. I can't recall it, but I know she Mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also. Okay. So we're just free, free uh, stream of consciousness here with discussing it. So, which I don't know if you picked up on this and I didn't, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but which successful stoner comedy did this movie that was a studio stoner comedy? Did this movie start? What successful stoner comedy did the Big Lebowski? I mean, I could start? tell you if I tell you who's in it, you'll get it right away. Let okay. me see here. It's a stoner comedy. It was a PG PG thirteen stoner comedy. But think of Lebowski's character, yeah. Jeff Bridges' character, like a bumbling fool. Yeah. And, oh, I'll just go come around. So there's a, okay, well, I'll say, I'll frame it this way. So in the movie, there's a line where Goodman's Walt says, dude, where's your car? Oh, yeah. Where's your car, car, dude? dude? Yeah, where's your car, dude? That's funny. Did it really? Was that the the impotence? Two years later, I Googled it and I was looking it up and I was going on like Reddit forums and shit. And there were just people who were like, I'm telling you, dude, where's your car was taken from that. Cause it came out uh, two years later. That's insane. Yeah. And that was a big studio movie. And like it, I said, was- it was a big movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a bad movie. I mean, it would have been a good movie. It would have been a movie. Would you even have on here? If it would have made itself R rated instead of oh, PG 13. It could have been Harold and Kumar. Who it make fun of that it movie? Should have been that movie. Kumar. Yeah, yeah. Well, Helen Kumar, they reference it. Yeah, they make fun when, of uh, it. Absolutely. They make when they meet up with um, NPH at the end. Mm-hmm. Said, "Dude, where's my car? Yeah, mm-hmm. where's his car, dude?" Wink, 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 wink. Yeah, yeah. Every single person in this movie might not be a degenerate, but is almost a complete failure, and everybody is as artificial as it comes with the exception of everybody's super self-serving. Yeah. With the exception of the dude who is genuinely walking around this thing almost as I'll use the term like bumbling fool, but he's a sap. He's, he's almost like the man for the people because I mean, Sam Elliott is so fucking good in this thing. And, the narration but from the cowboy. A, Sam, now, Sam, sorry, Sam Elliott introduces there is a tinge of surrealism to this. Oh, of course. Because his his character, who's his character? Is he like um an omniscient narrator? Yes. Who works his way into the story and then by the end of the thing is is basically talking to the camera saying like wasn't that a fun time and aren't you yeah. happy that oh, somebody like this? to do this yeah, out there this reminds me of whatever <laughs> yeah 
But at the end of the day, it's this chaotic fucking world that is needlessly and hopelessly complex where through this crazy chain of events, we find out nothing that happens to any of these people is of any actual significant importance other than self-serving consequence. Yeah. Nothing of consequence happens to anybody to anybody and everything that's happening is motivated by someone trying to serve themselves with the Mm. exception of what the dude is doing, which is just trying to be on the right side of whatever the situation is that's happening. And just the idea that someone like the dude, again, I don't even think he's actively trying to do that. I just think he's just actively following. This is what's, presented in front of me so there we go but is that the right way to go about life the way the dude goes about life the the whole like the dude abides no you don't think so what no because it actually i mean yes on a surface level yes yes, don't take yourself so seriously Mm -hmm. please don't take yourself seriously it's really bothersome when you do don't take yourself seriously uh you know, flow a lot more, but he doesn't even contribute. Like he literally is a bum. Like he doesn't contribute. He doesn't have a job. And he's like, Oh, and he jokes around when he's in bed with Julianne Moore. Yeah. And he starts recap. She goes, tell me about your life. Tell me your story. Mm -hmm. He starts recapping it. And it's like, Oh, basically it all equals out to about a, uh, you know, two and a half years of employment or not even employment. We're not even talking about, you need to have a, social insurance number you need to pay your taxes you need to be a contributing Mm -hmm. citizen but you need to have a purpose (laughs) it was like purposeless but one of the things that this movie kind of teaches us and well it preaches is is there purpose to any of this like in the grand scheme of things you know the the true detective rust cole are we just insignificant pebbles in a gigantic cosmic scheme? And at the end of the day, is purpose even worth it? Because there is a certain meaninglessness to existence in general, you know, not to be completely. Yeah, and I mean, you hearken to True Detective, which is uh, Ligotti and yeah. uh, sorry, who, who's the writer that uh, Conspiracy Against the Human Race? Oh, that is Thomas that's Ligotti. Yeah, yeah. That's Ligotti. Well, yeah, th- yeah. That, that's a negative side of the spectrum, but there yeah, is like so a positive that, and that's kind more, of nihilism. Um, if we're talking Cohen Brothers, that's the uh, who's the bumbling, uh, his life is fucked uh, professor movie. Oh, Superman. Serious Man? Serious Man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like more Serious Man. And if you know the whole oeuvre of the Cohen Brothers, that's what happened. That's the thing. What I'm trying to get at is that when we when I watched it on first watching in the 90s, I didn't take anything. I didn't take anything except hilarity away from the movie. Yeah. And then now knowing their entire body of work and stepping back decades later or dec- dec- two decades plus later, mm-hmm. I look back and say, oh, they were they it's the same message they're giving you as no country for old men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is that, you know, if I'm going to hell in a bucket, at least I'm enjoying the ride kind of, you know, 
I think that's like a fucking Glenn Fry lyric and I'm having a bad day. I hate the fucking Eagles, man, you know, but yeah, yeah, you know, you, you know but by the way, uh, the, uh, cab driver being a rate, just like, man, can you turn it down? Cause like I'm paying, I'm in your cab and the cab driver refusing, getting so upset and pulling over and ripping him out for listening that to a Glenn really, Fry that, song. That thing, like, dude, I don't miss cab drivers being cunts. I, I don't miss that. Oh man, I'm so happy like Uber took cabs out of business because Yeah, fuck cab. I was always forever that cabs. I was like, there's two worst people on planet Earth are cab drivers and ticket scalpers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And cab it's companies in general, people. dude. Cab companies oh, yeah, in general. Because they, were... they knew you had no fucking choice, right? Yeah, like if they, you were they just cab, held you, you hostage. No this is if you're if you want to get where you need to be, even if it's a matter of like, you know, I need to get to the hospital. I'm trying to visit my mother. Or she's in the hospital mm-hmm. or something, you know, like mm-hmm. something serious or even, you know, it's a serious try to get my dick sucked by uh, Bunny Lebowski. Mm hmm. Yeah, I got thousand dollars, and I don't care if Brant watches, and I'll pay his two hundred feet to yeah, yeah. watch. Yeah, I would you like know. to laugh like, at Brett if, while but I was. If, if my I'm dick trying sucked. to get my dick sucked across town, fuck you. If I say, can you turn down the Eagles? The Eagles, yeah. No one likes Glenn Fry that much. Um, yeah. Every single character and actor in this movie, big or small is extremely fucking memorable too. every single fucking one of them. The, the cast is so stacked. Dude, the landlord with his like interpretive dance thing that pays off eventually. Like he, he mentions it briefly. Like, Oh, I got that venue for the interpretive dance. If you can come and give me notes. And then yeah. actually I'm saying, dude, when he says, he goes, Tomorrow's the 10th. Far out, man. Far out, man. Uh, yeah. Like, eh, eh, eh. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude. Um, so in 2008, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 2008. So I was living in Toronto. I was living in downtown Toronto. And they have TIFF every year. Mm. You know, Toronto International Film Festival. Mm-hmm. which is giant. And now it's even gianter than it was then but then it was big and and my friend says hey i gotta i gotta in let's go there's gonna be this after party at this place in yorkville which is like the uh for west side of Toronto. yeah it's like a nice expensive nice nice like nice part right so i'm like cool and we're in line and we had to wait in line which we used to never do but you know, to this day, don't do fuck it. Mm-hmm. But we're in line. We're waiting. We waited for a while, like you know, we thirty, forty VIP. minutes. VIP. We're podcasters now. <laughs> and they, they guess they, they go. Oh, are you on the list? We're like, no, I didn't even know. Like whatever. They go. Okay, well, we'll let you in. Doesn't matter. So I get into this party, and it's there's just beautiful women, beautiful people everywhere, and there's in front of me. It's a lounge bar. Okay. It's a tiny, yeah, it's not, yeah. this isn't a club. This it's isn't like a, a giant club. place. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a small, it's a small venue. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in front of me is Ty Domi, who's a former Toronto Hockey Maple Leafs uh, yeah, enforcer. Yeah, yeah. He's like one of the one most of the famous greatest. enforcers yep. of all time. Mm-hmm. Right. Ty Domi, Donald Glover, and Peter Stormar. Whoa. Peter Stormare, huh? 
from Here's Armageddon the, fame. Well, they well of what are you talking about? Of Big Lebowski fame. I know, I know. I'm joking of Armageddon. No, but I'm saying fame. like for the listeners, I'm saying like that this is the guy who plays the nihilist. He's plays the mm-hmm. uh, I forget his character's name in it, but he plays Carl Hungus is his name. Carl, Carl, yeah. <laughs> Carl <laughs> Hungus. Forget he's nihilist. But it, it was so funny. They clearly, obviously, they. Somebody, I will pay you a thousand dollars or to show up in my lounge just yeah, to yeah, be yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. When you think you think Donald Glover, Peter Stormar, and Ty Domi are chilling together, <laughs> when fucking uh, John Polito, who shows up for a minute and a half and yeah. crushes it in this movie. He's like, and this uh, is post. This is this is almost a full decade after Miller. This is eight years after Miller's Crossing. Uh, yeah, yeah. That this takes. is. Yeah, absolutely. Those crossings, 1990. He shows the fucking post. He's like, yeah, the parents told me, show her this picture. It might make her homesick. And he's like, oh, how do you go back to the farm when you've when you've seen Carl Hungus or whatever he says? Like, I was fucking dying, dude. I was fucking dying. Um, but every character, even as large as some of them are, they all feel like oddly realistic. The... The it bowling, it's it, it is rooted, rooted. E- even if they're caricatures and like exaggerations of, of what these people are. You know, they are. have dream sequences, which are oh, like, yeah, those are. And I remember uh, when I was when I first saw this, I didn't care for the dream sequences as a kid. I was like, oh, that's too because I couldn't get on that wavelength, dude. The fucking what condition yeah, my condition is in when when Saddam Hussein's giving him the fucking bowling shoes. <laughs> Yeah, and then he falls into the, and then he gets sucked up by the little bowling, the hole, the finger hole. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that's a real camera inside of a bowling ball. You know about that? Oh wow! No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. That's some crazy. Like it's on like a gyroscope. Like they threw the ball down the lane, and that's a real camera. It's so fucking cool. Um, but the bowling alley crowd is so crazy because. If any listeners or Brandon have spent extended periods of time at bowling alleys, the people who take bowling seriously are like the weirdest people in the <laughs> fucking world. Like they they are like if you're in a competitive like Tuesday night mixed league, those people are absolutely fucking insane. We used to bowl, I think it was Tuesday or a Wednesday and like I don't know. I I had like a 218 average. So they like put me in like a decent league and people like the Jesus exist where you show up and there will just be this weird guy who wears like MC hammer genie pants and a, (laughs) and like a tank top. And he'll just be like, literally like curling, like fucking weights, like waiting. And like, listen, you know, we had a, um, He's got a mullet. Yeah, he's got like a mullet or like a big handlebar mustache and like a shaved yeah, head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had this guy, Theo, who I used to sell weed to, um, who was like the blackest looking person I've ever met. But he did everything he could to. 
I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but wait, are you saying he is black and he, he, he was, was so black? Yeah, he was. Okay, he was okay, so okay, dark okay, skin. Okay, His okay, name was like yeah, yeah. Theo Leroy Johnson, but he yeah. did everything I think possible to like break black stereotypes. Where he was way into bowling, he always had on like a hockey jersey. He would like talk about Ario Speedwagon and shit, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Who are you, Theo? You're from the Bronx. Like, what are you? You know what I mean? He like went golfing. I'm like, what the fuck is this person? And then there was one guy who I sold weed to who literally had like a marmot, like the little weasel thing. Um, and he would bring it with him, like in a little thing, and would bowl. Yeah. yeah. And it would like sit on his neck. Like it, it would like. Like as he was sitting there, and he was fucking weird. He he looked like a bad guy in like Wait, a RoboCop sequel. Stop! You just said the guy who showed up with the marmot that was draped around his neck. He was fucking weird. Thanks. But no, he wasn't. Like he would be weird if he didn't have a marmot. Like the dude dressed like the Undertaker. Obviously. Like he yeah, he okay. wore like yeah. a big like you know like the Undertaker like hat like the big yeah. leather top hat and like a trench coat like he looked like the bad guy from Last Action Hero, kinda, um, yeah. And I would sell weed to him, and I was just like, "What does this human do when he goes home? Like you know, what do these people do when they go home? What's Roberta's? Well, deal? I don't. I honestly don't want to know the answer, but uh, I do know, <laughs> like you're saying, the oddities that fill up it's almost what would you say how what would we say sorry what i'm jumping all over the map here but comparing the lunatics at pool halls versus the lunatics at a bowling alley they're totally different people because you're gonna get way more you're gonna get stabbed a lot more at a pool hall yeah but do you see but they're both they're on the fringes Yes, on the fringes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they both live on the fringes of society and exist wholeheartedly. Pool Hall is a yeah. good example. Like, why is there a guy in the dead of winter in New York with like a cut off denim fucking vest on? You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, yeah, and he hasn't hall. slept for two and a half days. Yeah, like like selling crank at a pool hall, you know, with like a fourteen year old girlfriend from like Nebraska. Yes, exactly. You know, no, you're nailing it. You're nailing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, like I know who you are. I've seen you. I've I've been there enough to like see who these people are. Where when you watch the Big Lebowski, you're like, yes, yeah, Smokey exists. You know, Walter yeah. exists. The Jesus exists. All these people exist are they heightened like to fucking 11 yeah 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 (laughs) but but those are fucking real people and those are like real subcultures and filmmakers do do it more realistically like the sean bakers of the world are great at doing this where yeah the robert altman grabbing non-actors and plugging Mm -hmm. them in uh safeties the 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 safeties of course Mm -hmm. um the Coen brothers are very good at it though. And you know what the Coen brothers do? They're so good at it that they will have actors that they use, uh, not every movie, but they use them like, let's say like four or five movies. Yeah. They're regular and players as, yeah. as a film geek. Yeah. Regular players. And as a film geek, I'll go shit. I always thought that was a non-actor. And then I'll look the person up and like, Oh, that's a motherfucking actor. Yeah. Yeah. 
And but like that, amazing, like somebody who just you know they do pay their bills by acting, but they just show up for this thing or that thing. Mm-hmm. And in the Coen Brothers movie, they have three and a half lines, but memorable lines, and they deliver it as a very. They don't deliver it as a core. They deliver it very humanly, like the Jesus. Like, this is you know really strong. Yeah, like Totoro in this is so hammy. Oh, it's amazing, <laughs> it's dude. Killing me. Yeah, he's great, but he's. Insane. He's playing it at 11 or yeah. 13. If you yeah. pull that thing out on me, I'll grab it from you and I'll shove that gun so far up your ass. I'll pull the trigger till it goes click. So yeah. Like, Jesus, <laughs> dude. Jesus. Exactly. Dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they're like shit talking him and they turn around and they're just like holding the balls with their towels, like doing yeah. this. Like, yeah. Rubbing the, the balls <laughs> off. Fucking like dying. Like, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, Totoro's got like fucking four or five lines and like, if you don't know it and you're a casual film watcher watching a movie like this, you would think, oh, this is improv. These are just funny, talented people in a fucking room. Right. And it's not, it's the Coen brothers sit and deliberate. They literally, well, they used to. I don't know how the process is now. They're older now. It's harder, you know. Yeah. But then when they were, I don't even know their ages. I think they're they're only like late 20s then, early 30s. Yeah, they're like in their 30s here. Yeah. Yeah, like maybe, but like early 30s though. Like Mm -hmm. they're they're still young. Yeah. And they, I, the story I've heard is, you know, bounced around a lot that they, they once during making movie, they argued an entire day over a one line and they spent their entire eight hour working day, whatever their time schedule is fighting over a line. Every light. That's a meticulousness that they have. And if you watch this, you go, wow, that like that delivery, like it's because they hired the best actors to make it. That's how good the actors are that they can Mm -hmm. make it sound like I just came up with this. This just Mm -hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And hey, that's just you like your opinion, man. You think that's you think that was Jeff Bridges letting it riff on set? No, 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 absolutely not. To the ellipsis, like they were like dot 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 dot. <laughs> yes, yeah. Every like um and uh is yeah. in this fucking script. Um, who is your favorite? character in this movie because they're just like that's not the dude Tara or who is Tara oh, Reed. Besides Tara Reed. Besides Tara Reed. Well no, uh, it could be Tara Reed. It could be Tara Reed. <laughs> no, I was that was obviously a throwaway joke, just like mm-hmm. how fucking hot she is in this. She is very hot uh, in this. Give me a second here. I wanna yeah. I wanna say Ben Gazera's Jackie yeah. Treehorn, not yeah. because he's so great, but I love when the dude runs over and goes, "What was he jotting down?" And he uses the pencil technique, yes, to, to shade it. It's a it's dick a drawing a dick. Mm-hmm. It's just a wiener. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a dick drawing a dick though, yeah. or holding a dick. I think mm-hmm. I think it's drawing or holding a mm-hmm. dick. Uh, if it's not, it might be Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, same. Absolutely, absolutely. The His nervous laughing. Laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nervous laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we forget. Everyone knows Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of the greatest to ever do it. And had he lived longer than he should have, I think we're at, I think we're approaching 10 year anniversary of his death. I almost I'm almost certain it's 2014. Uh, Which is insane. If, yeah. If he had 
because he was that was just when he was really in Hollywood. He could have like demanded to do anything, sure. And he and he would have been in with the greatest, which he mm-hmm. already was in, but he would have been like really supplanted as let you do your dream projects. Yeah, we'd be talking about that he is. He was the greatest of his generation. He just didn't have the longevity to prove it. Yes. Yes. But he got to work with the best, I guess, in the limited time that he had for the most part. You know, he got to work on some great projects. He got to do some big blockbusters. You know, he was the bad guy in Mission Impossible 3, right? With the rabbit. He was great. He was, he was uh, like, I mean, not a great movie, but he was great. I'm going to hurt her. I'm going to hurt her. You're going to hear it. That whole speech, the way it opens is so oh. ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make it hurt. Um, Dude, before the devil knows you're dead. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie, too. The Master is my favorite. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, I know. And and I, I like, I love, sorry, I love the performance. I don't love the movie. Really? Oh, I, that's PTA doing his, I want you to be cringe. And I'm cringing you. And I'm like, Whoa. I'm pushing it with his, uh, I didn't love that PTA, that version of him. Oh, I was, I like adore the master where it's oddly the same way the H word is kind of a comfort blanket where, or the Godfather where you just want to watch. Oh, it's not a comfortable watch though. That's a difference. For me, it's just watching the people who are the best at what they do being the best at what they do, where it's, gotcha. it's Paul Thomas Anderson, one of the best working filmmakers with the best cinematographer, with the best actors, just everyone is just executing it. But I don't love level. that uh, Johnny Greenwood score. It's deliberately really? making me feel awkward. I don't like it. <laughs> it is. Uh-huh. It is really insane. Um, the plot of this movie is fucking insane. Sorry. It doesn't mean I don't like the master. No, 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 no. I, I don't like it's a, it's an uncomfortable watch. And I don't like how it's deliberately making me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas, just you know, not just before that, uh, is it his first? It was it his next movie after There Will Be Blood? There Will Be Blood. It was um before the master. There, the master. No, 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 was no, I understand. There will no, be no, blood. I understand. No, no, I understand. I know what year. Oh, there will be blood yeah, came yeah. Out. No, the master the was master right is, after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right he didn't do anything in between those movies is what mm, I was asking. Nothing, yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Nothing. Yeah, There Will Be Blood is, even though they use a Johnny Greenwood score and it's uncomfortable, but the movie isn't really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Whereas The Master is literally, I hate the word cringe, but they, I don't know, cringe. I don't know. Oh. But hit, Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance is one for the actual ages. It's insane. Fucking... Amy Adams giving him a hand job, telling him yeah. he's the boss. Angry hand job. Yeah. yeah. Angry, <laughs> angry hand jobs. Hand job underrated. Angry hand job Adams. Yeah. Angry uh, hand jobs underrated. Before the, the, we jump in to the Rex, do you have anything else you want to? I just want to talk about how fucking insane the plot of this movie is. Again, the big thing here is like, this is so needlessly complex, paralleling how. Existing is needlessly complex. Yeah. Emotions are needlessly complex. The plot of this fucking movie is like a well-crafted bad detective book, like the best kind of detective oh, that, kind oh, of story. That's stories. what the spoof is, is, is it takes that noir detective shit, which they crushed with first Blood Simple, their breakthrough, or yep. uh, yeah. and then obviously... They nailed it with 
Miller's Crossing. Yeah. And even a little with Fargo, where you take this kind of complex. Uh, sorry. Yes. Def, not a little, a, a lot with Fargo, but mm-hmm. like, and everyone knows Fargo, but Miller's Crossing is, is their best version of that. Whereas Fargo is where they started going, oh, we're going to have that. And then we're going to have also the characters live in different existences of each other and mm-hmm. they're not communicating and nobody is actually furthering their everyone's working on furthering their own agenda but nobody's working on furthering uh communication as a yeah. whole we're gonna make that the movie we're mm-hmm. gonna make miscommunication the movie and this is barton fink the detective tale i don't know like this. this yeah this is what if a Howard Hawks or Orson Welles noir movie existed, but instead of Bogart, you had a bumbling fucking idiot just kind of falling into all of these situations. Yeah. It happens to be one of the greatest actors of all time, but he's just so great that he makes, he sells that. Yeah. And before we jump into Rex, the final thing has Jeff Bridges in recent years, just become the dude in Rooster Cogburn? Has he just turned into a Coen Brothers character? So I will dip into it in my Rex because I got a movie in my Rex that no one will know. Okay. Including you. Okay. And he was that. That's how he started in Hollywood. (laughs) And people just forget it. He was actually the burnout stoner guy, but he was insanely handsome when he was young yeah he was still like he's a good by the way he's a very handsome older gentleman obviously mm-hmm. he's an a-list actor or whatever mm-hmm. but he was like oh shit look at this person's face i just want to stare at this face guy yeah. tron like the original tron oh, him yeah. Oh, yeah. was like oh shit but even be- but before tron which is 84 i believe i don't have it right in front of me it might have been 82 but i believe 84 in 76, he was doing movies. In 72, he was doing movies. It was like, oh, shit. So it was like eight years earlier. In 76. He's a piece of ass, is what I'm saying. In, in 76, he was leading fucking King Kong with Jessica Lang, right? Wasn't that a 70s movie? Like, that was supposed to be like a gigantic fucking movie. Yeah, I don't have it right in front of me. I just but that was a like, 70s uh, movie, right? Yeah, like, he was a giant, like, well, my this point guy's is, face sorry. on a poster well, kind of actor, well, Harrison well, Ford the style. The question that you posed was... Has he become that? I'm like, no, I think he just reverted back to what he was originally. Oh, so just, yes, he has become it, but mm-hmm. he didn't become it because that's how he evolved. He more devolved. Yeah. Yeah. In a charming way. In a charming way. Yeah. He feels like this stew of mm-hmm. Rooster Cogburn from True Grit, the dude definitely. and Crazy Heart. And he's just and kind crazy of. Heart. I was going to say that. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, a movie everyone forgets, but that's the one he won the Oscar for, right? And we both like. Yeah, oh nine. Mm-hmm. But opposite the opposite the ugly Gyllenhaal. Sorry, Maggie, we do love you, but you yeah, we do love you, one. but you look like a pig lady. But we do love you. But um, did you? Uh, you're the um, Homer Simpson laughing legend of the dog face woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You're like, I love you. I pay money to have sex with you. Does it? But like by Hollywood standards, Jake Gyllenhaal is an undeniable, gorgeous fucking, you know, stud. 
I pay money to have sex with you, but I could also put peanut butter on my balls and you'd probably lick it like a dog. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I, I just think Jeff Bridges identity is so entwined with the Lebowski at this point. And yeah, well, I, I think that he, this movie allowed him to age gracefully as yes. a fuck it. I don't know. I don't even know if he's actual weed dude, but I feel like he is in real he life. Is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I yeah. feel like he is in real life. He's not mm-hmm. like so much a drinker. He's more of a weed guy. Yeah. Well, he drinks Stella Artois as we learned from the Super Bowl ad with the dude and fucking sex in the city or whatever that garbage was. Oh remember? God. Yeah. Anyways, let's get to the let's get yeah, to the yeah, let's yeah, get to yeah, the let's get to the Rex. Before the Rex, I don't know why you ended it on that note. Jesus. Well, that's Christ. where that's where we live as a society now. That's how fucking bad it's gotten, unfortunately. Where, yeah. Um, my first recommendation is if you want to understand what this fucking movie is playing on, and Hey, if you want to watch a really good fucking detective movie, that's actually kind of grim. And I know you have a rule about older movies where you don't really dig them, but I love, rule. yeah, you just don't really dig them. Um, no, I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a rule. It's just, is. yeah. The big sleep is one of the ones I dig. Like I like that 1930s, 1940s, uh, pre code noir, proper I, noir, proper noir. And I think the big sleep, uh, with Bogart and, um, Lauren Bacall, where he met Lauren Bacall, eventually married Lauren Bacall, is my favorite film noir. Yes, it is my favorite film noir. It is needlessly complicated to the point where the author of the book, Raymond Chandler, who's like the godfather of pulp paperback, said, I wrote this story and even I started getting so confused, I had no idea how to wrap it up, so I'm sorry if it doesn't really make any sense. But it is about a person getting hired by a guy in a wheelchair whose wife has been abducted by pornographers. And you find out the wife really wasn't abducted. She was fucking up to no good and owed money all over town. And which isn't an accident for big Lebowski is no, these, they deliberately were pulling from that from Chandler and specifically Mm -hmm. the big sleep. But if you dig, detective stories i think this is the best of like the proper old school noir Absolutely. yeah i don't even know the movie but i've read the book yeah recently i, I really- read so chandler only has like six full novels he read a ton of story he wrote, he d- wrote a ton of stories mm-hmm. but he only read he only wrote a few novels and i read them all recently and they are all fantastic mm-hmm. and what i love about them the most is that I believe he was so he was writing them like post World War II, like yep. late forties, early fifties yep. era. Yep, right during and World War II, a lot of them actually. Yeah, I think some. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't have the, but my point is, is that the people that he writes, the characters that he writes, you go, oh shit, that exists today. Yeah, it was seventy, eighty years later. And they have manic bitches, like a lot of manic, crazy bitches mm-hmm. and uh, dudes who are too heavy on the sauce. Or if they aren't on the sauce, they're on benzos and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wow, wow. Like, like this is – and the way these people act, you go, this is – we haven't changed. Even 
we like to say, oh, you know, because it did. The internet changed everything. I'm not trying to get too deep and philosophical here. Yeah, did, crime but, crime changed its methods, but it it didn't change like humanity its at, its, at its core. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it didn't and, change humanity's core, mm-hmm. and yeah, the crime and the and the purpose didn't change. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I will say as a that's a great wreck. Obviously, it's, yeah. you're being film geeky with it, but yeah. also but, the book is. And I bet the book, if you go, hey, the movie isn't my shit. I guarantee the book would be your shit to this day. You like the but, uh, the Philip Morrow dialogue that like because Philip Morrow, his main character, is a piece of shit. Like he is a bad yeah, yeah. guy. He is a bad guy, and I don't think he's a full piece of shit. But he's uh, he's self serving, and mm-hmm. but he's also like forthright with how so self serving he is. Yes. Uh, I'm getting too caught up in the minutia of it. Uh, yes. So I'm going to say, speaking of a noir shit and solving a case, my wreck is what's the year on it? 1991's The Last Boy Scout. Starring yeah, Bruce Willis right. and Damon Wayans, yeah. and written by our boy Shane Black, mm-hmm. Tony Scott movie. Funny mm-hmm. enough, the boy and my boy Tony. It's Bruce Willis at his most noiry, detectivey, charming. Like I'm a I'm a dirt bag, mm-hmm. but. I have a lot. I'm really witty and have a lot of charm. And they're solving a case, and then they're throwing a lot of false leads, and they're trying to figure it all out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just I think it's not super detective It is more actual straight buddy comedy stuff. Good action, but with yeah, with sorry, with sorry, buddy comedy, buddy action comedy, mm-hmm. and. A ton of action for the '90s, which we watch it now. We don't call that a ton of action because it isn't by by. Well, we live in a post John Wick world now. There's you know comparative, yes. comparatively, it is not. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like I'm making a case not to watch it. I'm telling you, folks, if you haven't watched it recently, I you probably have seen it when you're youth and maybe forgot it. The Last Boy Scout still holds up. Still really funny. Love Bruce Willis, who's now has dementia and is no longer acting, and he has uh, he's you know he has physical ailments. But when uh, Bruce he, Willis turned up back in the day and showed the fuck up, that was the best. Like when when he well, this decided was on when to he be was there. Still trying. So this movie came mm-hmm. out in ninety one. That means it was filmed in ninety. That means it was filmed two years after Die Hard. Yeah, with Shane Black. With Shane Black. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what and I'm saying. And Tony Scott, what Tony Scott was still, you know, before he off himself. Yeah, and fucking Joel Silver and 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 Schumacher and uh, not Schumacher. I'm so sorry. Um, oh my god, the Michael Bay guy, and you know he like did The Rock, but like that, like if you're into that shit, like the Bad Boys, The Rock, like it falls oh, it's right. It's a in toned line. down version of of those, mm-hmm. though. That's what you're saying. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's a to- yes. You're saying Michael Bay movies. This is a toned down version, which is again Jared it Brookheimer came out in ninety one. And you know how I like to say that in the turn of the turn of the decades, those movies actually reflect the decade previous. Yes, more than they do the decade that they're in. This mm-hmm. is closer to an eighties movie than it is a nineties movie. Although it has a lot of nineties flash. The Last Boy Scout. What is your next wreck? Um. 
Shout out to a young Halle Berry in that movie too. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we always got a. Who's a stripper? Who's a stripper? Yeah, Halle Berry, Hallelujah, she's the best. Um, the character of Walter, played by John Goodman, is this crazy person who may or may not have been in Vietnam. Pulls a piece out when he gets into arguments. Very argumentative. Always looking for fights kind of right-leaning crazy person and that character is based on a screenwriter and a filmmaker by the name of john milius who if you don't know director conan the barbarian apocalypse now wrote apocalypse now which is my recommendation because i think it is the john milius john milius movie but one of the best stories yeah conan the barbarian uh red dawn which got him kicked out of hollywood (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. Odd um, movie. Yeah, really weird movie. That's played so seriously. Yeah, um, that's, that's why it's odd. It's played so straight. <laughs> it's played so straight, but it's just so insane. Um, but Milius, like a famous story of his is, you know, he went to college with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. And when George Lucas presented THX whatever as his thesis film, the teacher openly made fun of it in front of the class. And Milius got up with a Glock and pistol whipped the teacher in front of the class and called Where him an idiot. He had a Glock. He had a Glock. He had a Glock nine millimeter. Glock. <laughs> yeah, he had a Glock nine millimeter, and he pulled it out in the class as this guy was preparing to fail Steven Sp- um, George Lucas. And yeah. fucking whacked them over the face with it. You know, that's the kind of person that they, they were dealing with. And that is Walter, you know. And if you want to see a movie. Right that down just, to uh, the build. I mean, uh, Goodman was heavier, like but uh, bigger. But Milius was a heftier folk. He's a heftier dude. We'll say. And yeah. Dresses just like that, too. If you ever yeah. see him, he's got the loungewear vest type. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he dresses like he buys all his clothes at like an Army Navy surplus store kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but. Apocalypse Now is just filled with voiceover, a thing that kind of drives us crazy on the podcast unless it's done well. And it's essentially like Walter dialogue going on, like him talking about Nam and watching his brothers die face down in the mud kind of shit. That is like the the end. That is, uh, you know, one of his two best friends is dead and he gives a eulogy. and He just throws in. He oh just shoehorns God. in some he, nom dialogue. Some nom dialogue. One of the few times that, well, you know, it, throughout the entire movie, dude only loses his temper on Walter. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because he never. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, because he's, he's genuinely trying to be a friend of this guy, and this guy is just egging it on and egging it on, you know? And making it harder for him. Yes. He's making so, it harder to defend his friend so apocalypse now yeah apocalypse now again at the surface makes absolutely no sense but if you want to learn about walter watch apocalypse now because that's what that guy thinks is happening in his and, head at all times in, in general just watch apocalypse now oh it's the best yeah it's a once it's a year actually, like buckle down and do it yeah yeah actually apocalypse now is anytime you can watch it watch it yeah dedicate My a whole day of your life is is far lighter than Apocalypse Now, is a movie that I only watched recently. No one has seen. 
It is 1975's Rancho Deluxe, starring a young Jeff Bridges, who is a fucking bum. <laughs> and and he works on a farm. And sorry, he doesn't work on a farm. Misspoke. He him and his buddy go to farms, kill cows, chop them up with a chainsaw, and then sell the cows. That's so weird. And they the the farm owners make it their point to catch them. Now, this sounds like the way I'm like. It almost sounds like a heist movie, the way I'm describing it. No, it's actually a straight out, all in out comedy. It is? It's a comedy movie. It's a hang movie. And Bridges' character is laying the groundwork for how he'd become two decades later, literal mm. two full decades later, to be the dude. He just is a guy who's like, hey, man, I'm just trying to figure this. Like, I'm just taking it easy. I'm just doing whatever it takes to figure that out. But I, I don't, like, don't want to stress you out. Don't stress me out. Let's whatever. Mm. Um, there's a scene where him and his best friend, who's played by Sam Watterson, who is actually supposed to be native in this movie, but we don't even get to that, the odd. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of Jews playing uh, Indians back in the day. Yeah, they used to yeah. they used to have that a lot. Mm-hmm. And him and his buddy hooked up with these two girls, and then they're in bed all together, the four of them, him and his best friend, the two girls, and then the girls' father catches them and breaks down the door. And starts saying, you fornicators, you're all whatever, because he's, you know, super religious or something. Mm-hmm. And I brought your – everyone's – sorry, I'm doing the accent because they're all – this is a movie that takes place in, mm-hmm. uh, in the South. They're like, and I brought your grandfather here, and I brought your grandmother here, and they could see that you are filthy fornicators. And Jeff Bridges pulls out a gun, shoots out the shoots out the wall, just to like scare them off, and says, "If you keep this the fuck up, I'm going to shoot you in the head." <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like, "Okay," <laughs> and they all scatter off. And the grandmother says, "I want to say I always thought this was a bad idea to be here." Sorry to, to recap the movie too much, but Rancho Deluxe. My point is this: don't watch this movie unless you're a super film geek. Yeah, uh, Andy, definitely check it out. Anybody for less film geekiness than us, I don't even recommend it for that. But th- what you don't know is that there was a groundwork for Jeff Bridges being yeah. the dude-like character. Have you ever seen Cutter's Way? No, I'm aware of Cutter's Way. I was not okay, aware so of Cutter's Rancho Way. I do Deluxe. recommend, but he's a is a similar. He's just kind of like, hey, I'm a pretty boy, whatever. If you mm-hmm. like, young Jeff Bridges was a piece of ash. Oh yeah, and he, but he was also kind of like, eh, like I am, like yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, he was a stone cold chiller, dude. If pussy comes along, sure, like whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not like fiending for pussy, but pussy's there. That's cool too. Like whatever, mm-hmm. man. Like the dude. Yeah, he was a stone cold chiller day one, and a nepo yeah. baby. We were talking about nepo babies, right? Isn't his dad Bo Bridges, right? No, this is his brother. <laughs> oh, that's his brother. All right, all right, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, my last recommendation. Probably, I actually, Newton Boys, good movie. Good movie, they, yeah. They uh, they they work together. Yeah. Um, 
I uh, picked a friend up from prison, and the first thing we did was go see this movie in theaters back in 2008. Um, and it's another Coen Brothers movie, but I think it best exemplifies the let's make a total farce out of our, at the end of the day, yeah, to be extremely... You picked up your friend from prison, got him a hooker, then went. No, I think we... Nah, my friend was like, in prison prison like he was like i know I, I yeah i i didn't get him a hooker no i didn't get him a hooker at that point in time we got laid when not, we got home we didn't got need it, to buy it. not a good friend no nah, we didn't need to buy <laughs> hookers back then i was 22 maybe he was yeah but he you're was federally taking, you're incarcerated you're serious you're, you're yeah. being way too i was doing the here. math on it i was doing you're not the math yes on ending it. me you're not yes yeah. ending me here you're being too yeah. serious <laughs> i was doing the math on it um but we went to go see burn after reading yeah we went to go see burn after reading which is really? the coen brothers yeah which was yeah because we were way into the coen brothers mm-hmm. and um i love this movie i know it's kind of one of those came and went coen brothers movies and never caught the second wind that a lot of this part of this movie is brad pitt's face when it comes out of the closet do you know what i'm talking about yeah of course yeah that that and that's a shocking scene yeah yeah Yeah, that is a shocking (laughs) scene but there there are parts in this movie that make me laugh so fucking hard like george clooney's character he's this um kind of like womanizing like not he's a, he's a womanizer bumbling moron who's a sex pervert but he's <laughs> obs- for the cia <laughs> yeah yeah he's some sort of law officer but he's obsessed yeah, yeah. with the flooring in people's homes and whenever he walks into a house he like taps his shoe and he's like hmm solid cedar huh like it's so bizarre like everyone has these really bizarre he tropes. makes a he makes a sex sex chair where this cock comes up yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, and he's been working on it like in secret. Everyone thinks crafting he's gonna be- it, crafting mm-hmm. it for. Yeah, like, yeah. I've been doing something secretive, and that's why that's the movie. That's why the title is a joke that gives away it. Burn after reading is like, oh, burn this. Uh, like, but in the end, no one. Just like in the Big Lebowski, in the end, nothing resolved. Nothing's changed. They literally say that. The CIA yeah. guys stand there at the end and they go, so wait, nothing is whatever? They go, no, I guess it's all kind of good. They go, oh, okay. Okay. And they all throw right. away the file on this crazy <laughs> thing that just happened. All these people's lives were just totally fucked and they just take the file it's and go, yeah, nothing. A just very disposable Coen Brothers. I definitely recommend it just as a watch. Is it going to blow your mind away? No. Are you going to laugh Maybe. as hard at Lebowski? No. But it's definitely worth checking out like 100 worth checking and out. stuff to the brim with good fucking actors like um, okay we're, we're running long here so let me get to it my my last wreck will make you die of laughter actually die of laughter and it is picking up with the bowling theme you probably know what i'm gonna say the farley brothers kingpin mm-hmm. which is oddly it's a pg-13 movie I don't like this movie very, very much. I don't like this movie very much. Oh, then you don't like comedy. Then you no. don't like comedy. If you don't like this movie, you do not like comedy, folks. Yeah. And you can you can quote me on that 
it is a very it is Bill Murray's my favorite Bill Murray performance. That's insane. He's, he's That's insane. At, he's at the restaurant. He says to the waitress, he orders a tang and vodka. Yes, he does. <laughs> when yeah. you come back, <laughs> wash off some of that perfume, would you? It's burning my nostrils. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. Just, just on the total, it's a comedy and it's a bowling based comedy. It's my favorite bowling based comedy. There is It's one of my all time favorite comedies. I think the Farley brothers in the late nineties are unparalleled for comedy and yeah, that's it. Fucking Harrelson is great in that movie too. Harrison's he's, so good. Yeah. He's he's very funny in that movie. We yeah. forget a lot that Harrison's comedic chops are on like they are I don't want to say unparalleled. That's too strong, but he they is as strong. good his comedic chops are as good as anybody in Hollywood. Yeah, they are fucking strong. Please remember whatever podcast provider you're listening to this on to rate, review, subscribe. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please remember to follow. Give us a five-star review. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please remember to not only review, but leave us a five-star rating. If you want to reach out to Brandon and I directly, you can email us at dgencinema at gmail.com. And if you want to join in on the conversation and follow us some more, you can find us on social media on Instagram at dgencinema cinema and until next time i think this pod really did tie the room together pretty well here brandon Man, andy uh condolences <laughs> yeah the bomb's lost the bomb's lost <laughs> 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 <laughs>